Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in-play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store. So it's Thursday night, half seven. As always, John Giles is on the line. Evening, John. Evening, Nathan. Premier League back this weekend. We'll have a double header live here on Off The Ball on Sunday. Spurs against Manchester United. First up, though, we're at Goodison. It is Everton against Bournemouth. And a lot of the talk around Everton at the moment, John, is centred around... Seamus Coleman and the fact he's dropped out of the side for their last league game and also didn't get his place back in the cup and question marks not just at club level but also at international level about his place because Matt Doherty's in such sensational form for Wolves. What have you made of Coleman this season? Are you surprised that he's dropped out of that Everton team? I'm amazed, uh, Nathan. Right. You know, I've seen uh, Everton a few times. Uh, I thought he was back to his very best. I thought he was certainly one of the best players. Uh, and I'm amazed at him. I, I saw him for the second time he was out of the team there at the weekend, and I thought, first of all, he was injured, uh, but that's not the case. He's mm. been left out of the team. I can't, I, I can't make it out, Nathan. I really can't. You know, the, the um, Everton are not going that well. They're a bit mixed. Uh, and I tell you, I'd say Manchester United would be looking at that situation and a few other clubs, Nathan. You don't think then at, at 30, having had the horrendous leg break that he had and having had to battle back from fitness, you don't feel that he's lost something, that maybe the chance of, of that sort of move to a club like Manchester United, it's gone? I don't, well, it might be gone, but not because he's not right. I think he's as fit as, as ever he was. Mm. Uh, and you, you, usually when you see a lad coming, <clears throat> or a player coming back from a, as bad an injury, he's had a bit nervous going into tackles and various things. Don't see that at all in Coleman. I think he's really, really back to his best. Uh, and again, I'm only repeating myself now. I, I can't understand why he's not on the team. You know, usually when a lad comes back, he can see, well, he's not as fit as he was and uh, he's jumping out of tackles or he's not as brave as yeah. he was. I don't see that in Coleman at all. I think he's, he was, he's back to his very best. And, uh, you know, 30 years of age for, uh, for a lad who looks after himself, I'm sure is the, the way he is, certainly has a reputation for it, uh, he'd be a big asset to any club. They've had a horrible run of form over the past month or so. Everton just one win in seven matches after a six-week period before that where they actually showed signs that maybe there was mm. improvement being seen under Marco Silva. Is it just a case sometimes that you need a scapegoat as a manager? You need to look at one of your experienced players and, and drop him and show that nobody's safe? Well, that's called bad management, uh, Nathan. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, if, you, if, you, if you drop a player because he's, he, well, for whatever reason, bar not playing well, and you honestly believe as a manager that somebody else can do a better job mm. in that position. That's, that's what good managers do, and the personal uh, situation doesn't come into it. Uh, but in, I don't think that's the case in, in Coleman's situation. You know, from what I could see, unless the manager can see something that uh, most people that I know uh, about Coleman, I just, don't, I, I just can't make it out. But if you're, if you're, if you're dropping players out for certain reasons... Uh, apart from the fact that they, they shouldn't be in the team, well, that's bad management. Mm. What does Coleman do now then? Do you, do you have to adapt your game if the manager has looked at you and well, obviously has decided to drop him because he's not happy with his performances? Does Coleman just put the head down, keep doing what he's doing and trust he'll get back in? Or do you need to respond in a different way? Do you need to change the way that you play? Well, you can't play, you can't change the way you play, uh, Nathan. Just that's the way you are, and that's the way you do. Obviously, there are different formations where you have to adjust to the formation mm. that the manager's playing in. But from what I see of Everton, 
uh, that hasn't the, the formation hasn't changed. Coleman is, was getting back when he had to be back. He was getting forward when he had to get forward. So I I I'm only looking from the outside, but I can't see where Coleman can improve on what he was doing. Um, so obviously the manager sees things in a different way. Everybody sees things in a different way. Uh, but certainly, if I were a manager of another top top class team, Manchester City or any of these top-class teams, I'd be looking at that situation with a view to getting Coleman as quickly as I could. Right. That's interesting you say like you don't feel he's doing anything wrong because I was going to ask you that when you, when you do hit 30 and, as I say, when he's had the injury and maybe your game in that right-back position particularly is, is reliant on pace, if as you get older you do need to change slightly, you do need to think about things differently to, to suit, your, suit the capacity of your body almost. Um, well, that can happen, but mostly for fullbacks, you either have the pace, you don't have the pace. I think in midfield, you can get away with it a bit as you get older, mm. uh, Nathan. But I think lads at 30 are only at the peak of their careers. I mean, players are, are supposedly, or most of them are fitter now than they were in my time. Uh, but I can, only, I can only talk for myself. I felt with players of, of his uh, caliber are only hitting their best at 30. They've got the experience behind them. Uh, they're fit enough. Coleman's definitely fit enough. I've seen him up and down the line. He's running, running brilliantly, uh, and he should be at his peak. And it, after that, it depends how long you can maintain that peak form, mm. uh, Nathan. But certainly, 30 is. I mean, if you look at all the great players, 30 is nothing. I mean, I, I know from my own point of view, and I'm, I'm talking about myself again. Uh, when I was 30, 31, uh, it was definitely my peak years. And then it's a matter of can you keep your fitness? Can you hold it? Then, you, then, then you, you play for as many years as you possibly can. But I can't see any, I can't see any deficiency in Coleman because of his injury or because of his age. It, it's strange considering he's, he's 10 years at Everton this month and he's been such a, a legendary figure and he loves the club. I think he's had chances to go and he's decided to stay. He seems to like everything about Everton. Yet still, when he scored his goal against Brighton back in November, you saw the emotion in the celebration, having a bit of a go at the supporters because they've been having a pretty consistent go at him, it seems. Is it just the case that, I don't want to say he's there too long, but quite often like they spent over 100 million during the summer they bring in five or six new flashy players they've got the French fullback Luca Digne over on the left back position bombing up and down the pitch that sometimes you can just be there too long that the player the supporters start to they just don't appreciate you as much as they once did well that can happen uh, but I, I don't know if the supporters were having a go at him or were having a go at the team Nathan you know I, I didn't actually see that uh and I'd be amazed if he had to go back at the supporters. I mean, he loves Everton, he loves the supporters mm. there, and they love him. I'd be very surprised if they were having a go at him. I think they might be having a go at the team because they haven't been playing very well. Uh, but all those things don't really come into you. You're either, you're either playing well enough to be in the team or you're not. Age doesn't, shouldn't matter uh, if you're still the best player. And that's up to the manager to do that. I mean, if Lad's 32 and the manager doesn't look and say, well, he... He's a bit old now. Is he doing the job? Is he not doing the job? And I haven't seen any situation or any match that I've seen in Everton where Coleman wasn't doing the job. Mm. If he does force his way back in, I think most people expect with the character of Seamus Coleman that he will do just that. And he, he goes on and, and he ends up spending his entire career in England at Everton. Mm. Do you think that was the right thing for him or do you look at his career and his talents and think there was a missed opportunity there to go and play for one of those bigger teams you're talking about to go and test himself at, at an even higher level a Champions League level um, well I think 
a few years ago when Manchester United were shown in, I don't think there's any any way that Everton would let him go. Mm. I mean, the only time you let players like uh, Coleman go is when uh, the money is is too um, is too big to turn down. And but Everton had a big club, and Coleman himself, being the good, the good lad that he is, never wants to leave Everton. He loves the place. Uh, and if you're happy in the place that you're in, Nathan, playing, and uh, it's a big club and a very big club, actually a great support in that, then there's no reason to go anywhere else. I mean, you could look and say, well, you know, Manchester United, if they if they wanted him, he could go. He's playing at the at the higher level or certainly winning things. Well, that that is attractive as well. But everybody's a, everybody's different, and Coleman seems to be a really really solid lad, mm. a terrific lad. So. I'd say he would feel grateful to Everton that they gave him a chance, and he would be repaying that with the loyalty that he's given. given. And that's what you—that's what you want for good lads. And I would—I'd be surprised if the manager doesn't recognise that and embrace him uh, rather than leaving them out of the team. It's also raised questions about his position in the international team, mainly because in that right back, even though he plays slightly further up the pitch as a wing-back for Wolves, but Matt Doherty's just been an absolute revelation as a Premier League player this year, getting linked with Tottenham this week. It it means it's one area of the pitch where Mick McCarthy looks quite well stocked. When you have two players, and they're probably playing at the highest level of any Irish players at the moment, Coleman and Doherty, do you have to make a choice between them, or do you have to find a way to get both of them into the team? But Doherty's played at left-back for Wolves before. Mm. No, I'm sure if Coleman had to, he'd play it right back. Uh, now, I've seen Doherty a few times. He's a good lad. He's a very good player. But he's a bit to go before he's as good as Coleman, in my opinion. Uh, in, but in what ways does he need to improve? Well, no, he's, he's a good player, but, but Coleman's been an exceptional player. Yeah. I mean, if you only go back a short time where Martin O'Neill was saying that if Coleman had been fit, we would have qualified for the World Cup. He's definitely been the leading player in the Irish team for at least two or three years. Uh, now, but Doherty, I like Doherty playing as, as a player as well. But Doherty can play left back. There's nothing. There, there'll be nothing wrong with that. If we have two two good right backs. You don't have to pick between the two of them. Uh, one of them, pick one of them. If you have the other lad that can play at left back, and, and Doherty has played for Wolves mm. uh, at left back and done exceptionally well. Um, so Doherty's a very very good player. Fully enough, Doherty maybe is in a similar-ish position to where Coleman was two or three years ago, where everybody's talking about him. His stock has never been higher. And he's at a moment where he may sign a new contract with Wolves for big money, or it may be a case that this is the moment he gets that chance to go to a club like Tottenham. Like, I'm sure you had opportunities during your career to, to leave Leeds, even though you were at the time the big club. Like, How difficult a decision is it for a player to, to make that choice between remaining committed to a system and a manager and a club that has given you the big chance that's made you that player or just taking the risk and going? Well, I, I can only talk for myself. I didn't want to leave Leeds. Uh, and in those days, you couldn't leave the club, uh, Nathan, unless they wanted you to go. There was a, retrain, a retain and transfer system uh, in place that even when your contract was up, you couldn't leave unless the club wants you to leave. Where now, if the, if the player's contract is up, he can walk away, and the club can't have anything to do with it. But I must say, in my time at Leeds, I didn't want to leave. Mm. It's, you know, we were a successful team. There were a good group of lads, uh, terrific players, uh, and I, I, I didn't want to go anywhere else. Right. You're not ruling out, and you're not writing off Seamus Coleman, anyways. That's no, the main no, thing definitely you've got not. there. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the situation uh, that, that uh, uh, Seamus Coleman is in. 
And I would be, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get back into that Everton team. All right, a lot more we want to talk to you about, John, but we'll take a quick break. Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in-play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store. You're welcome back. John Giles is still on the line. It's been a very, very good week for Manchester City, John, starting off with the victory against Liverpool last Thursday night. 7-0 win against Rotherham in the FA Cup and then that game last night against Burton, mm. a 9-0 victory in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. Interestingly, the first side in the top four teams of English football to score at least seven goals in back-to-back games since Leeds United did it back in October 1967. Remember that. 9-0 against Spora Luxembourg in the Fairs Cup and 7-0 against Chelsea in the First Division. I had a very quick look and you actually didn't play in either game for some reason. No, <laughs> that's what they won. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your thoughts on City last night? Those, I, I saw a train of thought after the game that they were they should have eased up at 5 or 6-0, that there was no need to absolutely humiliate Burton. No, I think, it, I, well, I'm only talking now my opinion, uh, Nathan. I think if you eased up and took it, uh, your pain... You're being more disrespectful. I think Nigel Clough said something like that after the mm. match. You know, you have to keep going, do your best uh, as a team, and then, as far as as, as Nigel, <laughs> Nigel Clough is concerned, you have to take it on the chin. But I think uh, I, if I were a manager in a situation like that, and uh, Manchester City t- started taking to e- taking it easy and flipping it around and messing about, uh, I would I would find that disrespectful. I think City did what they did. That's, that's a professional performance. They were behaving in a professional way, uh, and that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think Nigel Clough gave a very good interview after the game, whereas he pointed out that many Premier League teams will go to the Etihad and have gone to the Etihad and have conceded yep. five, six goals on a regular basis. So for League One side to go there and concede nine, maybe it's not that unexpected. And, and on the, the alternative, I guess, is that you start showboating at five or six nil. Well... You can showboat. Well, I mean, I, I, I've got to be careful here. We played Southampton years ago at Leeds and we beat them 7-0 and we were showboating. But again, it was done in a professional way. You know, I played against a team one time, I think it was Ralph, the late Ralph Coates, uh, they were beaten as well. And he was sitting on the ball in the corner and all that. And certain players did that over, over a period of time. Who was that uh, sitting on the ball in the corner? Ralph Coates. Right. The late Ralph Coates. He played for Burnley at the time, then went to Spurs. And... Uh, I, I've seen that happening when you're being well beaten, that players are, are, are messing about. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and I remember we played Southampton one time. We were winning, I think we were winning six or seven. And we were, but we were flicking the ball around in a skillful way, Nathan. You know what I mean? Like I know afterwards we talked to Southampton lads. They didn't think it was disrespectful. It was done in a certain manner uh, because of the, because of the scoreline. And I think that's what Manchester City did the other day. They just kept playing as you were, as you were supposed to play. And I think Nigel Clough, who was a pro, who was a very, very good player himself, would accept that. I think he said that after the match, didn't he? Something like that, mm. anyway. Nathan. Yeah, that, I, I guess for his players, it was a, they, they wanted to go up and get the full yeah. Manchester City experience, uh, yeah, which they the, certainly the big got. Thing there, Nathan, from, from Nigel Clough and, and from Burton's point of view, I mean, it was a huge achievement getting to the position that mm. they were in, the semi-final of this cup. And they're a club that would need the finances more, more so than Manchester City or some of the big clubs would. So they, they get a they got a fair bit of money from last night, and regardless of the result last night, they've sold out at home next week. So this was a big achievement uh, for them to to do what he did. I know they got a hiding on the night, but there again, as you said, most teams get a hiding from Manchester City from the lower divisions. Uh, anyway, a lot of them do, and they're capable of doing that. Uh, so 
overall, you've got to look at the, the position overall from uh, Nigel Club's point of view. Getting, to them, getting them to the position that they were in to receive the Hyden was a big achievement in itself. That 7-0 win against Southampton that you're referring to, yeah. I think I've heard a lot of lead supporters who remember those times very well and that successful team. is like That was, that was the standout performance, they felt, that that was the peak, that was the yeah. ultimate Don Revy side. Is that how you remember it? Uh, not really. <laughs> you know, it was it was great for the support. It was, it was a great exhibition stuff. There was no doubt about it, uh, uh, Nathan. But to be quite honest, when it got to four or five on that particular day, you know, I wanted to come off. Why? Because the game is over. I, I used to enjoy the game when when it was say one one uh, at Anfield, particularly one one or no score, and it was anybody's game, and you really, really had to do your stuff. Yeah, you like the you test. Know? But Southampton was. The game was over, really, as, as, as a contest. I wanted to come off, and Don Rivers said, no, stay there. And, and that's when uh, I did, anyway, a couple of times, flicked the ball around, but not in a disrespectful way to, uh, uh, to, to Southampton. But I, I always felt like the, 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 what I enjoyed most was playing at Anfield, under the lights, very close game, and you really, really had to do your stuff. Uh, Southampton, the, the, when, the, when the game is over, then it's exhibition stuff after that, really. Nathan, you know, was Anfield your favourite ground to play in? It was one of them. Yeah, like like well, we, we were we were neck and neck with with, with uh, like we got promoted in nineteen sixty three sixty four when uh, Liverpool had actually won the league. They were really coming on under Shankly. They won the league, the cup, and the league. Uh, and we were a young team. Uh, and then in, I think it was nineteen sixty seven, Liverpool won the league when we were coming on to our best. Actually, Liverpool in the win the league for seven years after that. So from '67 we dominated Liverpool uh, until obviously the great, the next great Liverpool mm. team came along. But they definitely dominated us in the early part of our uh, 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 rivalry. But there were great games at Anfield under the lights. Great games. Uh, they, they, would be, they would be my favourite games. And people now talk about it. I don't know the Liverpool crowd being a knowledgeable football crowd. Like, mm-hmm. Was that the case then? Was there an appreciation for? The talents of your team. Well, I think Liverpool became uh, uh, became had that reputation later on when they were really winning. You know, the Dalglish, Sunes, mm. Hansen years, uh, they, where the, the, the supporters could afford to be, uh, I would say, givish to the opposition. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they were winning. Uh, but what now? When we played them in, in our day, like in my time day, they were never givish at all. <laughs> They were very. They were a great crowd, a great passionate crowd. Still are, as you can see. Uh, but we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be their, among their favourites. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's easy to be appreciative of the other team when you're beating them. I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. on Liverpool, then before we wrap up, they play Brighton this weekend. Lost to Manchester City. Then were beaten by Wolves in the FA Cup. And listen, you can't win when it comes to respect these days because while well, City are saying they're not giving enough respect to Burton because they're battering them. Liverpool disrespecting the FA Cup by resting players. But does that result in any way, because it's two back-to-back defeats, does it stall the momentum? Or do you think, is that game against Wolves, can you just write it off? I'd say you could write it off, Nathan. You know, it, 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 it's, uh, everything changes so quickly. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when City lost a couple of games, are they going to do it? Are they not going to do it? Then they beat Liverpool. Liverpool beating their two games. And it's it's another. Are they going to do it? Are they not going to do it? But in their case, last week they rest an awful lot of players mm. against Wolves. And like City can afford to rest a lot of players with the panels that they've got, and still turn out a very, 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 very good team. 
Liverpool haven't quite got those that resources. And I think in the long run, uh, to be to be quite honest, I think it could be a blessing in disguise for them uh, when they when they're on the real run in uh, for the Premiership to have that break. Definitely, definitely. John, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, Nathan. John Giles joining us every Thursday at half past seven. If you missed that, you can listen in on offtheball.com. It'll be up online very shortly. Some good stuff there on Seamus Coleman and how he's not done just yet. Now, Off the Ball in association with Horse Racing Ireland will be previewing the Dublin Racing Festival from the Sugar Club on Thursday, the 24th of January. We'll have an all-star lineup from the world of racing and beyond, including Niall Quinn, Nicky English, Davy Russell, Rachel Blackmore, Patrick Mullins. They'll all be alongside Kevin Kilban, Johnny Ward, Jer Gilroy and John Duggan. We'll be previewing a massive racing weekend taking place at Leopardstown Racecourse on the 2nd and 3rd of February where top jockeys and trainers will be competing in 8 Grade 1 races for 1.8 million euro in prize money. This is an exclusive off-air event so the only way to enjoy it is to be there on the night. Go to offtheball.com forward slash events now to get your tickets. They're free but you must register, print them off or have them downloaded onto your smartphone and remember this event is for over 18s only. It's all with thanks to the Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown Town race course on Saturday the 2nd and Sunday the 3rd of February. Get your tickets for the festival now at leopardstown.com. Quick break and then we're back with Stephen O'Donnell in studio. Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in-play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store.